tonight. Uh, we're going to spend just a few minutes on a couple of verses. It'll be in First Thessalonians chapter 1 and really verse, verse 3. And we'll spend our, our time on, on that lesson. But I wanted to give just a little bit of introduction uh, to that. If you go back to Acts chapter 17 when Paul went to Thessalonica, things didn't go too well. Uh, he was literally spirited out of town at night, and that was for his own safety. If you read the account there, the, the Jews stirred up the leaders of the city, and they were uh, Jason was pulled out, and they were going to beat him. They made him put up surety to make sure there wasn't any more damage to the town, and things all stirred up, and the brethren decided, we need to get this guy out of town, and that's what they did. They got... Uh, Paul and his, most of his companions out, and they took him out at night. So he didn't get to stay there very, very long. And he acknowledges this in his first letter to, to them in uh, chapter 2, verse 17, that he was worried because he didn't get to spend much time with him. And so he sent Timothy back to check on him. And when Timothy came back, Paul writes in the third chapter of 1 Thessalonians, how pleased he was about how well they were doing and how much they thought of Paul and, and everything. And so he was very much encouraged. The church was immature as far as years go, but they were doing quite well to be such a young uh, church and young in, in years. In fact, um, Aristarchus and Segundus from Thessalonica accompanied uh, Paul in his travels when he went from Greece to Asia on his way back uh, to Jerusalem. And then Aristarchus accompanied him on part of his journey from Jerusalem to Rome when he was imprisoned and in chains. He accompanied uh, him. And so the Thessalonians thought an awful lot of Paul and, and he of them. In his introductory comments, uh, he mentions three graces, and that's what we're going to talk about uh, tonight. So if you look in First Thessalonians chapter 1, he writes, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from our God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers. And then this is the, where we'll spend our time. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so... When, when I see a verse like that, to me, it kind of gives me a pause. I have to stop. And to me, it calls, that, a verse like that calls for quiet contemplation to think about. Because there's three things that he mentions, but they are so deep in what they mean to a Christian. And so it just, it, it's something that calls to me personally in, in my personal study. But this faith, hope, and love are three great graces. And they're mentioned several other places in the New Testament. Later on in the same letter, in chapter 5, verse 8, he says, But let us, us of who are the day sober put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet the hope of salvation. So those three things are mentioned again there. And, of course, 1 Corinthians 13 uh, faith now abide faith hope and love these three but the greatest of these is love and that's Paul talked about it there and in Colossians he also mentions these three graces so you get a pattern that these three things were important to Paul for all Christians not just the Thessalonians and so in first in Colossians 
chapter 1, verse 4, he says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. And again, he's talking about, about that. And in First Peter also, in his letter that he wrote, and the first, the, the first one, First Peter mentions this. He said, through, Who through him who believe in God, who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. So again, those three things are mentioned uh, by Peter. So let's start. So we'll talk about the work of faith is the first one. To me, faith is the beginning. We really aren't going to do anything that we don't believe in, that we don't have confidence in, that we don't have faith. That's where it starts. Uh, and really, there's a difference, in my mind anyway, between faith and belief. Uh, James pointed out that even the, even the demons believe. They don't do anything about it. They, well, they tremble, James said in James chapter 2. But as we look at this true Christian faith, you see it's working. Faith works. It's not just a passive thing. It works. In fact, Paul says, your work of faith. And uh, he says to them that their faith was known by their actions. Later on in the same chapter, chapter 1, he says in verse 8, he says, from the word of the Lord has from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every faith, every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. Their faith was active. People saw it. Paul didn't have to say anything. People saw their faith. It had it had action. It can be seen. You know, I can believe in something. And that's it. But faith makes me work. In fact, one of the commentators uh, that I read said, wherever there is a true faith, it will work. And it, and it will. Um, how can we move forward if we don't have faith? That's the foundation. We have to believe in something with all our heart and all our might before we will do anything. Faith is the foundation of our, our life in everything. It's an action word. Second Corinthians 5, 7, 4, we walk by faith. It's action. It is not passive. It's not just sitting there and just something done to me. It's something that I act. In Hebrews 11, the chapter on faith, as, as you well know, in verse 6, uh, the writer of Hebrews, uh, Paul, I think, but, but without faith it is impossible to please him. So we get from there. If we don't have faith, we, and, and really when you think about it, if you don't have faith, you're not going to do anything. And so we can't be pleasing to God. And as you read the rest of that verse, we get that it's action. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There is an action that those people take. He gives an example later on in verse 8. He says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. Abraham obeyed his action. And really, when you read the whole chapter, it's all about people who acted on their faith. They did things because they had faith. So it's really, in my mind, we really can't separate work from faith because faith makes us work. And Paul, I think that's why Paul said that, the work of faith. Then he also says the labor of love. 
in Hebrews uh, 6, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So the, these Hebrews that are being written to, their labor of love is that they ministered to the saints. They worked. And again, Paul said it's a labor of love. And the love is what prompts them. In John fourteen fifteen, Jesus said, If you love me, oh, keep my commandments. Again, it's being obedient to God. When Jesus was asked the question about the greatest uh, commandment and how to inherit eternal life, he answered uh, the teacher and he said in, in Luke chapter 10, he said, I'll start in verse 25, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading? And so he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your might, and your neighbor as yourself. And then later on, as we know, we read the account, the guy says, Well, who's my neighbor? <laughs> Jesus proceeded to answer that. But this person that he's talking about, the Good Samaritan, as we know, know the account, acted. He worked. He took care of someone who was in dire straits. He took it upon himself to care for him when he was uh, injured and paid for it and took care, made sure that he was taken care of. All of that was a labor, an action. And in Philippians chapter 2, if therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection, if any affection, and again, to me, that's a term of love, affection, and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only out for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. We cannot be true Christians unless we have this attitude of caring for someone else other than ourselves. And we, in our Wednesday night class, we talked about this a few weeks ago in, the, in Ephesians chapter 5 in the relationship between husband and wife. They both had to love each other more than they loved themselves in order for it to be the ideal marriage, the ideal relationship. And Paul went on and talked about the children and the, the slave owners, that they had to care about those people more than themselves. And that's the labor of love. The last thing that Paul mentioned is the patience of hope. And when you think about hope, what do you, you know, what are we hoping for? What do you hope for? It's for something that you don't yet have. Uh, in Romans 15 and verse 4, Whatever things are written before were written for our learning, that through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures we might have hope. And it's the Scriptures that teach us about what, what is ahead for us, what is coming. Later, uh, Earlier in chapter 8 of Romans, in verse 24, we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Paul said in Thessalonians, the patience of hope. Hope makes us wait and persevere and go work through the struggle for the years, the time, whatever it takes. It makes us stay the course. In Hebrews 6, again, going back to 6, uh, uh, 
going back again to Hebrews, he says in verse 19, in 17 and 18, he talks about fleeing for refuge and to, the, to lay hold of the hope set before us. And in verse 19, he says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. It's what gives us the strength and the courage to stay the course, to hold fast to what, to what we're hoping for. And we all know what we're hoping for is to live in eternity with Christ. There'll be an eternity. It'll be a second death in the lake of fire or it'll be an eternity in, uh, with Christ and God the Father. In 1 Peter 3, verse 15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you. We should always be ready to share this uh, with him. So you have the labor of love and the patience of hope and the work of faith. And these three graces, I really feel like, are a, are a foundation or a cornerstone for our Christianity. These are what set us apart. These are what make people see us and see that we are different. They make us recognizable to the world because we act with these three things in mind. I'm not convinced every time that we think when we're doing the right thing that we're doing, you know, don't have these three graces in our mind. I don't think it's necessarily necessarily that we have to think about them, but we have to do them. It should be second nature to us. And that's why I say I don't think you say, oh, God, I've got to talk to this guy, but I've got to use the labor of love here. It's what we are. It becomes part of how we are, and so it's second nature to us. It's kind of like muscle memory for those who participate in athletics and things. You just do it because you're trained to do it over and over again. The other thing is we can lose these graces. We can forfeit them. We can, they can go away. In 1 Timothy 1.19, Paul talked about two men that have shipwrecked their faith because they, they went against it. And in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4, when, Paul, when the angel wrote to the Ephesian church, he says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. They had given it away. And in Colossians 1.23, talks about them to be careful that you are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard. And so you look at these three things that make us what we are who we are, how we act, so that, you know, the old story, if you quack like a duck and act like a duck and walk like a duck, then you're a duck. Well, to me, if we do these things, then we look, act, think, and look like a Christian, because we are. The New International Version puts a little different spin on this particular verse, and I, I like it because it gives, to me, additional explanation. He, and Paul says, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. I like that because it is. And your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I like the way that the translators in the New International put that because it is. Our work is produced by our faith. If we have faith, we will work. If we have love, love, we will be, we will be prompted to work and to labor. And two of these things are associated with work. Then our endurance, our patience, is inspired by the hope that we have. We don't, 
see it yet. We don't have it. It's not been attained, but we know it's out there. We know that by the faith that we have. So I hope that these thoughts may have been of some use to you uh, tonight. Um, it's To me, it's one of those verses that come to me in quiet times, and I think about those, and, you, and it's something that we can measure ourselves by. We living in the manner that these words say that we should, because Paul said, these Thessalonians, you're doing these things. This is what I think about you. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, when people think about us, do they think about us in this way that Paul thought about the Thessalonian brethren? So the lesson is yours. Uh, In the churches of Christ, we never want to close out uh, an assembly without an opportunity if someone has something that they need to make right, they need to uh, make repentance, or if there's someone who's not become a Christian, we always want to uh, at least close our service with that opportunity for people to make that known. And Mike's going to lead us in this song. There's a great day coming, a great day coming, there's a great day 